And hello, and welcome everyone to the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. And you know what? You better you better wake the f up, sheeple. You better wake up, everyone out there, because if you if you honestly believe that Matt and myself and this show, the Comic Multiverse, haven't killed people, then you're you're living in a friggin' dream world, man. And when I say kill people, of course I mean kill them with laughter, because we're killing them on stage, and you're all loving it very much, and Matt and I are every bit the wholesome people you think we are. Yes, yes, we're not edgy Zack Snyder characters. (laughs) Man, that was a meme for a hot minute there, and I like that, people taking his speech and just changing it to make it about other stuff. Oh, it... How can he be so, like, out of touch? (laughs) He's still going on about it all this time later. I'm, I'm not bitter or anything. This film franchise isn't the girlfriend that broke up with me, but I still rant about it every so often. Yeah, maybe he's just mad because like a movie like Shazam's come out and everyone's like, "This is what Superman should be." Man, if I worked for DC and Warner Brothers, I would be really mad at Snyder right now because it's like, "Ooh, early reviews for Shazam are coming," and oh, it's a great movie for the whole family. Apparently, everyone's really enjoying <laughs> it. They're saying it's the best family adventure movie in a long time. Zack Snyder comes out, yeah, Batman totally skull fucks jaywalkers every Friday, bro. <laughs> you got raped in prison, man. Yeah, you, you can't tell me that didn't happen. It happened. <laughs> okay, bad weekend for that. But, you know, if nothing else, I think we can all agree that the comic multiverse is a podcast you lose your virginity to. So, I mean, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and th- this is the podcast you have to base all of other podcasts off of. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that virginity line is what broke me. I'm like, really, dude? Really? <laughs> but my part was like the one after that where he said, like, because he did Watchmen, he had to base all of his other, like, like his experiences with other comic books on that. I'm like, mm-hmm. what the fuck are you on about, mate? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> You, you, you know, you, you might think that, you know, you're like the Beatles, but in truth, you're really more like Motley Crue, you know, a, a, a good enough cock rock band, but, you know, definitely what no one would say is their favorite or music that changed their lives. I know you think that. Yeah, Home Sweet Home is a pretty good song, but still. <laughs> yeah. As, as you can tell, I also saw The Dirt this weekend as well on Netflix. Oh. Uh. I haven't watched that yet. It's pretty good. They they probably do the smartest thing, and that is they treat the real-life story of Motley Crue as a big, dumb cartoon, because they are themselves big, dumb cartoons. Oh, that's good. I, I like biopics that are like that, that, I, that aren't afraid to get fun and all that sort of stuff. Because, like, like, they break the fourth wall, they talk to the audience, and, like, I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm like, man, why didn't they do the serious version of this? And I'm like, no, the serious version probably would have sucked and would have been really self-important. That was yeah. one of the big problems with that Queen movie they did, where it's like, oh, you guys are taking the subject matter way too seriously. I wouldn't want to hang out with any of you people. Yeah, and it probably didn't help that, like, all of Queen had a say in what the movie was like, which is how so, it turned out the way it did. Which this movie feels like they didn't get a say in it, so that also helps. Yeah. But yeah, the, the dirt's pretty fine. Cool. Uh, Pete Davidson is in it, too, as their manager. That made me laugh. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> I'm like, that's strange casting, but alright. Oh, man. The dude they got to play Ozzy Osbourne in the one scene, he's amazing. He needs a spin-off Netflix movie right away. I want to see what this version of Ozzy was up to. 
Yeah, it's not. Is it like a, a recognizable actor or something? I'm sure it's it's a recognizable British actor, but no, I don't oh, okay. recognize him. Frankly, this this whole movie is filled with people where you're like, oh yeah, that guy, I know him from the thing. Ah, <laughs> uh, those type of movies. <laughs> a lot of hardworking character actors. The the funniest bit is that you know when they talk about well, not funny, but funny, strange. When they talk about uh, Vince Neil losing his kid, and I'm like, why do I know that story? Why? Well, how do I know that he lost a kid to cancer? And I'm like, oh. Oh, the surreal life. That's right. That weird show where they stuck all the celebrities in a house together. He talked about it there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was him and Cece DeVille and the lead singer of Smash Mouth. Ah, uh, Smash Mouth. When, when's their biopic coming out? When 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 are they going to cast you as him? As You beat me to it, Matt. I'm like, oh, oh, sure. Joel says he says that because he saw the show with Smash Mouth. We know it was because he was actually there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll play that role for Netflix. You can call it Walking on the Sun is what you can call it. <laughs> and it will be me in the E! True Life story of Smash Mouth. <laughs> In truth, I don't even think they had a very interesting story, which is why they haven't done anything on it yet. Yeah. Oh, you, they, they could do a story on how they like go to like county fairs now and yell oh, at yeah. people. Oh, there you go. That's a good. <laughs> oh, did did you see the picture? It was online today. I don't know if it's old or new, but it was Guy Fieri standing next to the guy from Smash Mouth, and like clearly they're in on the joke that the internet thinks they're the same person. <laughs> it's brilliant and i'm like someone someone should really just photoshop me into this picture too and then you've got like a pokemon evolution <laughs> <laughs> who who is the final form of this when everyone evolves where where does it end i tell you <laughs> um but believe it or not everyone we are a comic book podcast and we have comic book news we do so starting things off this week with probably one of the stranger stories it was so weird i felt i just had to talk about it Major X, that brand new Rob Liefeld character from that brand new Rob Liefeld X-Men book. You remember that, Matt? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That character that looks undeniably like a Rob Liefeld character because he's just got a big <laughs> stupid X on his head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, apparently this character sold out ahead of its initial release there, so they already need to go back for a second printing of Major X. Yeah, I, I actually saw this on, on Twitter. I'm like, what the fuck? Who the fuck is buying this book? Like, it's not even out yet. It's like a, a current year Rob Liefeld book. What the fuck? You know, for all the shit we throw Rob Liefeld's way for not being a particularly good writer, for not being able to draw feet, for, you know, lowballing people and holding out on art and everything, the man clearly has a fan base that only he can satisfy that are still hungry and horny for Liefeld all these years. And I will I will say this, his actual like public persona on social media and everything seems like a nice, affable guy who loves telling stories about the old days of comics and considering how <laughs> far and how shitty we've seen other writers of his ilk go. You know what? Nothing but support for you, Mr. Liefeld. You, you keep doing you, Rob. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, his his Twitter timeline is always really fun to uh, to watch and everything. But yeah, you gotta kind of wonder, like, I wonder if this is anything, like, because I know I don't know any people that are interested in this book. No. So I'm wondering if, it, like, oh, is this like maybe new readers who like know him as the Deadpool guy right. and know him from like the films and stuff because of how big his social media presence around those two films were. 
is it is it people buying it ironically? Is it people buying it to do <laughs> YouTube videos and be like, "Can you believe that Rob Liefeld is back and doing a new comic?" I tell you what, I, I am. It's got me interested to be like, well, maybe maybe I should review it as like, I'm probably not going to, but because I've got too much to review. But I, and it's one more X Men thing in a sea of yeah, X Men yeah. things that we don't need anymore. Look, look, if your name ain't Hickman and you ain't doing a new X Men thing, <laughs> Matt and I are too busy. <laughs> but yeah, so there's there's your Rob Liefeld update, everyone. If you're if you're interested in uh, creators from the '90s who are still hanging in there, uh, follow Eric Larson too on Twitter. I met Eric Larson at a con a while back. He's also a lovely man. Go figure. Awesome. You wouldn't think the guy who did the Savage Dragon, who basically made a professional Hulk ripoff, but hey. That thing's still going on all these years later, and he made the Savage mm-hmm. Dragon move to Toronto at one point. <laughs> In fact, I think he still lives there. <laughs> so I have to be nice to him because the Savage Dragon is basically my neighbor. <laughs> He'll get the Savage Dragon to come beat your ass. Oh, that Savage Dragon always asking to borrow a cup of sugar. I, I know he <laughs> I know he's using my Netflix password, that jerk. He won't wipe his green sweat <laughs> off the gym equipment in the building. <laughs> Damn you, Savage Dragon. <laughs> you know, there's certain parts of our fan base who are like, what are they talking about? What's a Savage Dragon? What's an Eric yeah. Larson? <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> it was crazy. The same con I went to where I saw Eric Larson, I actually saw him draw, which I've never done before. <laughs> he draws like no person I've ever seen. Like most people, when you see them draw, you know, they do it like the writing. They do it like that, <laughs> right? Yeah, Not yeah. Eric Larson. He stabs the page. <laughs> okay, that that's strange. <laughs> yeah, he like stabs the page. He has like the most unique drawing style i've ever seen i'm like how do more people not know about this this is insane mm. the man the, the man draws like a printing press yeah and it comes yeah it comes out really well maybe oh. that's how it how he got it like he that's his origin he got bitten by a radioactive <laughs> printing press <laughs> i must only use this power for good <laughs> and he did <laughs> and uh speaking of people who only use their power for good uh i think it's fair to say patron saint of the comic multiverse really for how much we talk about him and take a great interest in this man's career jai courtney announced over the week that he will actually be returning for james gunn suicide squad too uh, if he can count on boomerangs for anything it's they always come back <laughs> They always come back. I had that, I've had that one for a week. <laughs> Matt had that one chambered. It's like, oh, oh, you wait for it. You wait for it. <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of, I, I was kind of hoping they'd say like Slipknot would come back, uh, you know, as as the big villain. <laughs> you let me die, Suicide Squad. Now I want revenge. <laughs> I mean, it kind of makes sense because people didn't hate Jai Courtney in that movie. I would say it's probably the most they've ever used his acting skills to their potential playing a drunk, angry, racist in the deleted scenes Australian. Well, that's the thing. Like, it played to all these strings. It's like, okay, Jay, we want you to play an Australian. Oh, I can do that. That's I, easy. I got it. <laughs> can do that in my sleep. Also, too, it's like, as, as a Suicide Squad purist, I'm like, yeah, yeah, if you're not going to have Deadshot, you do need to have Captain Boomerang because they are, like, the two most constant. In fact, I think... Captain Boomerang has arguably been in more Suicide Squad stories than Deadshot. Yeah, 
Yeah, isn't isn't Deadshot actually going to be on the team still? There's like rumors no that idea. Idris Elba might be taking over as as oh, yeah. Will Smith. Oh yeah, didn't we talk about that? Didn't isn't that official? Yeah. Is that an official recast or is that just? I a don't rumor? know if it's official. I think it might have just been a rumor. Man, I hope the joke is that only Captain Boomerang knows everything around him got <laughs> changed and rebooted. Oh, you're not Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> where did he go remember when we fought the evil egyptian goddess who popped and locked no shut up <laughs> yeah no, it, it makes sense for him to come back and i'm glad like he's one of the only ones coming back as well that's fine you know you couldn't fault his performance for anything and it's also not like a margot robbie thing where it's like oh no we never actually needed you in this movie at all we were only you know dry run testing for other stuff also Knowing how, like, James Gunn handles people like Drax and Rocket and all that, like, we'll probably get a really great version of Captain Boomerang, like, even better. Captain Boomerang is the heart of this movie. Yeah, yeah, it it wouldn't surprise me. He's the Rocket Raccoon. (laughs) Captain Boomerang is the best of us. (laughs) Man, does that best of us joke still track for, like, Walking Dead a million years ago when we were on a different show a million years ago? Probably, you know, every 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 other episode, there's probably a character who dies who is the best of them or something. It was the best of us, T-Dog. We didn't know his real name, but we were going to list off accomplishments <laughs> of his right now. Whenever we <laughs> voted, he never got a say. He always stood in the back. That's why he's the best of us. Yeah, he kept quiet. <laughs> God bless you, T-Dog, wherever you are. uh now uh after that we actually have some surprise power rangers news i wasn't expecting to talk about this so those boom power ranger comics i hate myself that i haven't been able to keep up with them because they were Mm. so goddamn good and they keep making more of them and they keep going on with great writers and great creative teams and they've actually just announced a brand new one and that is psycho rangers the psychopath yeah, every now and then I get like a glimpse of like a cover or like mm. some material out of one. And I'm like, God damn it, I really wish I could read this yeah. without like being completely lost on what's happening. Yeah, you look, it's like, that looks fucking dope. In fact, I think that's kind of what they want this to be. Where it's like, no, 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 you can pick this up. It's a fresh start because it deals with the Space Rangers, with Corone, of course, uh, Andros's sister, the one who invented the Psycho Rangers. Now they've mm-hmm. returned for some reason and they're not alone. There's a brand new Psycho Ranger, Psycho Green. Oh, nice. Which there never was a Psycho Green before. No. Uh, Again, I wonder if they're going to square the circle of like, okay, but what are the Psycho Rangers now? Because when it started, they were monsters that took ranger forms. They had like Mm -hmm. true forms. And then later, when, uh, when Andromeda brought them back, they were like robot simulations something. They were, they were real, but not real. Yeah, I imagine we'll probably get something that's like both of it. Yeah, it's like, like they're, yeah. they're like half alien, half robot, weird monster thing or something. And again, too, it's it's, it's like I, I like in the in the solicitation for this, they're like the Psycho Rangers were like the were one of the greatest foes of the Rangers of all time, programmed to only feel hate at all times. <laughs> Uh, I'm like, man, that's that's a pretty good villainous motivation. Why are you so bad? I'm programmed only to feel hate. <laughs> Hey, you, you want to go to Dunkin' Donuts? No, I hate Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> you want a foot rub? No, I hate foot rubs. <laughs> Only hate all the time. And, uh, oh, hey, speaking of hate all the time, that leads us to our next story. Dark Phoenix, Matt. Yay. This movie comes out, apparently. 
maybe, maybe not, because they're saying here <laughs> that uh, the director of Dark Phoenix said uh, officially on record this week that Disney is reevaluating all the Fox X-Men movies, including Gambit. Remember Gambit, man? <laughs> Why does this movie just not, like, want to die? Like... Like everything we hear about it, it just like okay, it's it's been killed. No one's working out, it. and it's like these people want to resurrect Gambit. Like, why? Why? Gambit is the cockroach of the superhero movie <laughs> world. You dropped an A bomb on it, but no evolution finds a way. <laughs> like out of all of the X Men, like you could choose to make a movie. What? Why Gambit? Because he hits all the key demos, Matt. <laughs> and, he, and he sold a lot of books in the 90s, that's why. I guess so, yeah. And he hasn't had a solo series for, like, ever and ever. Although I guess he's technically in that Mr. and Mrs. X, so he's, like, you know, co-leading a book. Yeah. But still, I just think that's so funny where it's like, they're being reevaluated. No, really, director of Dark Phoenix? They're being reevaluated? Yeah, yeah. They're being reevaluated, all right? Right into the trash can where they won't bother <laughs> anyone. Yeah, yeah. I can see, like, hardly any of these. If if they're not within, like, like Dark Phoenix, obviously, is, like, a completed film. Mm. That's probably going to get released. New Mutants, yeah, probably that yeah. Disney Plus or yeah. Hulu or something. But all these other ones that aren't, like, in any stage of production, they can just easily rewrite. Oh, yeah, of course, of course, no doubt about it. Uh, again, I like to imagine this is just what he's telling people. Where it's mm. like, oh, yeah, they're being reevaluated. I I went to the to the Disney Marvel offices, and I had a meeting with Kevin Feige, and he told me they were being reevaluated. Then he made the jerk-off motion into my face and said, they're being reevaluated <laughs> off the edge of my dick, son. And then, he, and, then, and then he did one of these in my face, farted, and left the room. <laughs> but, but you have my word, they're being reevaluated. <laughs> no, they're uh. not. Don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got to give those two fans something to look forward to. Yeah, really. Or, those uh, two Fox X-Men fans. Those two guys. They're vocal. They're very vocal. <laughs> yeah, he said reevaluating with his fingers crossed behind his back. He said reevaluated, but he was also making faces at me when he did it. <laughs> reevaluated. Uh, but yeah, be sure to. Tune into the comic multiverse for more Dark Phoenix news whenever that happens. Yeah, I imagine the next time we actually hear about the film is when it's released in bombs. Yeah, and even then, I'm in no particular rush to see it. I Although, no. I am in a rush to really see how they're going to try and sell the movie that is Weekend at Bernie's. It is a corpse that we're propping up. <laughs> and hoping that people will see it. In fact, I think the last time we saw a trailer, the whole, uh, what is it, the, the, the whole, like, tactic that they were taking was like, oh, see the end of the amazing franchise. Oh, oh, it's all coming full circle. It's all led to this, the end. And I'm like, really? That's your best selling point? It's over now? <laughs> that's not a great selling point it's honest but it's not a great selling point yeah no yeah you, that's not something you really want to sell your movie on <laughs> x-men dark phoenix we promise they can be good again after this one <laughs> x-men dark phoenix we really want your money one last time though <laughs> yeah humor us please <laughs> can we have your money one last time <laughs> Speaking of weird shit there around the Dark Phoenix movie, apparently the actress who played Storm in that last one for, like, the whole, like, ten minutes of screen time she had, 
Mm-hmm. Apparently, she piped up this week, and she's like, "Yeah, you know, I, I, I personally don't care if uh, Storm gets together with Black Panther uh, in the later movies." And it's like, "Lady, do you do, do you think you're going to get to keep playing her?" <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not going to get to keep playing her, and as well, like them getting together in the comics, like they were really good. Yeah, for a while. But again, too, it's just like, which hilariously, the only reason they broke them up was because of the movie. <laughs> yeah (laughs) because of rights issues hilariously but i just thought that was so cute i'm like oh oh someone asked her and then a new site actually printed it like it was real news and like it mattered yeah i I don't think she really knew what she was talking about because she thought like storm was around before black panther like black panther was around for almost 10 years before storm came around yeah (laughs) i'm not gonna say they weren't fact checking you i'm just saying But yeah, uh, moving on from there, we got another piece of news here. This one comes from DC Universe, which, by God, they are just pumping out shows. Apparently Swamp Thing is going to be here sooner than anyone thought, and we also got our first look at the costume for Stargirl, and it looks 100% comic accurate. See, yeah, it looks 100% comic accurate, though Stargirl's been a character who's never suffered from not having a comic accurate costume. Her Smallville and Legends of Tomorrow costume were basically what she's wearing now the only difference is this new one has a texture on it yes this one has a texture on it so you know it's slightly different (laughs) that being said looks good though i am interested to see what they could potentially do with star girl because she's basically a blank slate she's not really had like a bunch of like you know solo series or a long history to draw Mm -hmm. upon she's had books she's had stories and you know and and writers have gravitated towards her because she looks cool and everything you know obviously justice league unlimited did it i wonder are they gonna try and make her a legacy hero and they're gonna try and tie her into like the greater history of star man and everything well there are there there was like uh, like casting rumors and stuff that that saw like members of the jsa Mm. appear so yeah they they could bring in like sylvester pemberton or something yeah and i mean hey as we have seen from episodes of doom patrol uh, when you have a show like this, it's actually very easy to be like, oh, yeah, this team, they're just one in a long line of teams. There was a t- team before this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, goddamn, Doom Patrol's been so good. Doom Patrol is so fucking good, it almost makes me angry. It's so good. <laughs> Every it week. makes me angry because they're like, you made this, but you couldn't make fucking Titans work. Work, exactly. I'm like, how how can you get these weird outsider, no-name heroes that only comic fans like me and Matt care about, make them excellent, funny, endearing, sympathetic, you know, darkly funny, and everything else, e- even insightful at times, and just have it work so goddamn good, and pay homage to stuff in the past, like Mento and the brain, and, you know, the original <laughs> twists, and do whole adaptations of Grant Morrison works. I know, and then you can't even get, like, like Robin, Robin. right. It's, One it's, of the easiest characters, the biggest history ever to, to to be able to get right. It's it's madness. It's utter madness. Literally, when I watch Doom Patrol, I'm like, oh, this is a show from an alternate universe I'm watching. I, I, I've i dreamed this show. A show this good can't possibly exist. I'm going to wake yeah. up and be like, oh, that Doom Patrol show is just a dream. Yeah. Well, the, the, the showrunners have already made sure to distance themselves from Titans by saying this is a completely different Doom Patrol than the one we saw in Titans. Good. <laughs> oh, this show is so good 
it's making me fall in love with Cyborg all over again to be like, oh. I, he's such a good, he's a character. He's an actual character. With only a few minor changes, they've put out probably the best version of Cyborg we've seen in over a decade. He is human. He is relatable. He is sympathetic. That last episode was genius where it's like him uh, on a dating app where it's like him on Tinder. Yeah, yeah. And like you really feel his pain to where it's like, oh, you're like a dude. You're like an amputee, right, is the thing. This is what you're going to. Yeah. And you're afraid people will judge you for it. And that bothered him more because he's like, no, I'm I'm different than these Doom Patrol people. I belong on the Justice League. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a face hero and everything, only to have a moment like that and being like, no, no, I am one of you yeah. weird outcast freaks. Yeah, yeah, it's like they they re- it's like they the writers realize like no, he he's not really one of these, you know, main heroes. He's like like a Titan or a Doom Patrol member or yeah. something. Like he exists on these teams because of this. Again, they did so much good shit. They even called back to his thing where it's like, do do I say booyah a lot? <laughs> uh, you've said it 31 times in the last however that uh, that constitutes a catchphrase. <laughs> Also, how great is that, that his operating system is called Grid, which we, of course, know is the evil Earth 3 version of Cyborg, and the fact that Grid is starting to get all weird now. It's like, oh, Grid's going to be a villain, isn't he? Yeah, I hope they do. I hope they... When when, when I found out that it was Grid, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to get a villain out of this. (laughs) Well, heck, we see the picture that Jane painted of Cyborg standing over a bunch of dead uh, Doom Patrol members. I'm like, oh, Grid goes nuts, takes over him, and tries to kill the Doom Patrol. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. Goddamn Doom Patrol is good. And uh, apparently, too, uh, you know, not for nothing, but I actually talked to some people who saw, like, 12 minutes of Swamp Thing. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of it was behind the scenes. A lot of it was just longer versions of what we saw on Twitter of, like, them setting up the Swamp. Yeah. They say the show looks great and that from what they saw, it looks like it's actually going to be, like, something of of a weird police procedural. Cool. I yeah, I could see I could see you do something like that with with Swamp Thing, yeah. I like the idea of Swamp Thing being like a bit of a mystery and be like, no 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 man, he's like the shark in jaws. He can he only has to come out when you need him to come out. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly how you should do that, especially with a character who for most part is probably gonna be mostly CGI or at least yeah. a big guy in a costume. Like, can't show that all the time, so just yeah, keep him in the shadows and show him when you need to. Again, like Mr. Nobody in Doom Patrol, it's like, no, 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 he's he's there, you feel his presence, he only shows up when he needs to show up. Yeah, and he's the narrator as well, so... Again, hey, let, let Alec Holland narrate his own show, I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Swamp Thing the Elemental, uh, I don't know why, but I always thought this is what Swamp Thing sounds like, kind of like Eeyore, oh, I'm sad... <laughs> My body got burned up. I need to fight Anton Arcane and his unmen. Oh. <laughs> Can I? Will Swamp Thing ever take a lover? Yes, sometimes. And it's really weird that you have sex <laughs> Depending with Depending on the writer. Depending on the writer. Oh, am I, am I a man or am I a human? Or sometimes it gets retconned to. Or Alec Holland did die, but I'm just remembering him and the whole thing. <laughs> Ah, but you know, we, we we've gushed enough about the DC universe. You know, it's it's looking up. <laughs> Friggin' Doom Patrol is awesome. I have high hopes for Stargirl and what it can potentially bring. Hey, in the picture too, you see a big robot behind her. That's clearly her stepdad, Stripes, which I think that's great. We're gonna get stars and stripes. Yeah, I they I can't remember who they cast as him, but they cast someone like rather famous. Ooh, cool. Oh, uh, I think it's Joel McHale. Oh, she really Joel I think. Mc- I think. 
Well, I mean, obviously I have to support that choice because legally all <laughs> Joels need to support each other in all their endeavors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good good on him for that. You know, it's it's me, Joel McHale, Joel Silver. We all hang out together in the special club of Joels. <laughs> it's a very exclusive club. <laughs> Uh, now what else do we got here? Uh, oh, Detective Comics got a brand new logo to, uh, go with its brand new Tomasi run post, uh, issue number 1000, which we'll be talking about when we talk about what we read this week. Yeah. I'm not too fond of that logo. It looks very Fisher-Price, doesn't it? I'm glad it exists. I'm glad they're trying to differentiate it from King's Batman, but at the same time, I'm like, mm, you could have worked a little harder on it. Yeah, it, it looks like, like, um... Oh, what is that? I can't remember what what they are called, but they're like, like they do like the the superhero girls comic, like oh, you know, with the big heads and the small yeah, bodies. Brass. Looks like something like from that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Again, it looks like a toy logo. You're absolutely right. And it, there's a lot of blue on it, which I appreciate. They're leading with the blue and yellow, where it's like, hey, this is what Batman used to look like. This is what he actually looks like now in this book because he wears blue and black in the other one. Yeah, yeah. So we're seeing a costume difference, which, again, they haven't bothered to explain why that costume difference exists, but whatever. Uh, it's Tom King being Tom King. Again, you know what I think it is? Because I'm sure they're eventually going to say, oh, yeah, Tom King's story took place in another universe. <laughs> that wasn't really Batman. In an hour it. after Batman's, like, uh, hit his head on something. <laughs> yeah, that that wasn't a real Batman. That was a different Batman. <laughs> he was dreaming the whole time. <laughs> They're gonna do something like that. I can just—I feel it in my bones. As soon as he's done, they're gonna do everything in their power to try and sweep that under the rug and say it didn't happen. Yeah, they're—they're gonna do something. They're gonna like one more day. They're gonna have Batman make a deal with the devil. Uh, Trigon. <laughs> yeah, with Trigon. It's like, oh, I want the last couple years of your life. Why those years specifically? Stop asking questions. Just do <laughs> yeah, it. But specifically between this date and this date. Just do it, asshole. <laughs> and Batman's like, oh, you know, come to think of it, none of my friends, families, and allies never really interacted and talked to me this much in this time. Yeah, I could do it. Is is Nightwing still shot in the head? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> but we can fix that. But we'll fix that, don't worry. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll do it, Trigon. I guess I'll sign it away. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> How terrible. New writer. <laughs> <laughs> or just that too just have a new writer come on and be like man that was weird what happened before are we ever going to talk about it no no <laughs> no it didn't happen uh but yeah that's the detective comics news one last piece of news here and then we can talk about what we read this week and that is angelina jolie is apparently in talks to play somebody or something at marvel we don't know what yet yeah we we know it has something to do with the eternals mm, interesting i very so, yeah. unfamiliar with those characters <laughs> Uh, well, like, there's rumors as well that maybe Hercules might be the main character. So I have heard. I would be interested in that. Maybe maybe he can play Hercules' mom. Maybe she's going to play Hercules. Maybe she will be her. Oh, man, they're, they're, they're really going different so on this She's going that method acting way, that Jared Leto acting. Oh, yeah. I would love it if she does that, but she's 100% Hercules from the comics, so she gets, you know, really jacked, but is also really depressive and drinks and everything and has a hard time making it in the world. 
<laughs> That'd be great. But yeah, if if Hercules is the main character, this that's so cool. He's getting like a big push kind of at the moment because he's in Avengers and yeah, it's so good. Hercules is such an untapped potential, as we've said before. Hey, if Chris Hemsworth doesn't want to play the, you know, fun loving, pig headed, uh historical warrior anymore, you got another guy waiting in the wings. <laughs> he just get his brother to play it. <laughs> exactly. Hey, we got another one of the Hemsworth. There's so many Hemsworths. We just picked one out of a box. <laughs> Which one are you? Are you Liam? You know, it doesn't matter. Don't even tell us. <laughs> we like we like the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even tell us what Hemsworth you are. <laughs> Uh, and on that note, everyone, I guess we can officially hop into what we read this week. Pretty, pretty big week, not as big as last week. No, no, yeah, we had some pretty big comics. Yes, we certainly did. I guess we should start with probably the biggest one, and that was Detective Comics number 1000. Yeah, much like Action Comics issue 1000, was a great collection of stories. Mm -hmm, Most definitely. I will say, though, was this shorter than Action Comics 1000? Because it sure felt shorter to me. It I think it might have been the stories were longer. Mm, yeah, because it felt like like friggin' Denny O'Neill only got like four pages to tell his story. Yeah, whereas like uh, like Kevin Smith got like basically a whole issue. Smith and Snyder got the two longest ones. Yeah, yeah. Which should let you know what the pecking order is like over there at DC. Yeah. Which is which is strange. Like like Kevin Smith getting a, a long book, whereas like the the actual Batman writer Scott Snyder got one as well. But then Tom King didn't really. He got like a little one, and then Peter J. Tomasi got like the ending to lead into one thousand and one. <laughs> pecking order. <laughs> <laughs> also, too, look, look. If we only give Tom King about four pages, he can't fuck things up that hard. Yeah, he can actually do a good story, which still goddamn surprises me. Yeah. Like, like it, it shows that he's he's made for like writing these like short stories. Mm. His his story in particular made me feel like he wrote it on a bet, where it's like, oh, oh, you don't think I can write, you know, a happy, well-adjusted Batman? Well, fuck you, I'll write the happiest, most well-adjusted Batman you've ever seen, you son of a bitch. <laughs> he'll, he'll take a picture with his entire family, won't that be great? Yeah, yeah, it will be great. Yeah, and then, and then he'll, he'll, on the anniversary of his, of his mother's and father's death, he'll go and put it on their graves, because he's shown he has, still has a family. Even though, again, with, uh, what is it, with logical holes that you can poke in every Tom King story, uh, wouldn't that give away he was Batman, though, if he was leaving that picture on their grave? Just saying. Yeah, well, and, and again, it was really weird because, like, the grave sites are in somewhere in Gotham where we know they're actually on the Gotham Manor, like, mm-hmm. um... Uh, family plot, yeah, yeah shouldn't the Waynes be plot. buried on so, the family plot? Yeah, well, I'm sure he's actually set that up as something that's actually there, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, oops. Also, too, as the, uh, I didn't have a problem with this, although I retroactively had a problem with it when someone brought it up later, and that is why Why are Batgirl and Batwoman being so bitchy to each other? They're not like this any other time. Barbara never had a problem with being called Batgirl and her being called Batwoman. Oh, uh... Again, Tom King writing it. He writes Batgirl like a fucking moron in Heroes in Crisis. So yeah, that's, that's... Why, why not write her like a bitch in this? And I mean, hey, this is the same man who had to apologize because he wrote Wonder Woman so terribly when he wrote Wonder Woman for a minute. <laughs> so is it any surprise that Tom King can't write women who aren't his wife? Yeah. Sure seems that way, don't it? Yeah. 
But hey, he invited Duke to the party. That was nice. I and mean, we haven't seen him in a bit. <laughs> yeah, he, he remembered Duke exists. Hey, Duke got to Scott Snyder invented. I like Duke. to think that was more Tony S. Daniel remembering. Yeah. <laughs> like he put it. He's like, hey, who's that guy? It's like that's Duke. Scott Snyder invented him and did oh. nothing with him. Uh. <laughs> It's, it's funny, it's like, he, he remembered to invite Duke to the party, that was nice. Huntress gets to come, too, and it's like, is, is Huntress even a member of the Bat family in the new 52? She's more, she's, she's more friends with Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. I, I don't even know if she gets along with Batman. She she kills people with a crossbow, I think. I mean, I think he wouldn't like that. Well, Jason is there, and Jason kills people with guns, and he still gets to be part of the family, so, you know. Isn't Jason not in whatever he's doing at the moment? His new costume, it's his old costume. Yeah, also that, which uh, also leads to be like, what? And Well, I guess because Nightwing 2 is also there in his old suit. So oh, yeah. Too. This was before he got shot. This was just before he got shot in the head. Moments before he got shot in the head. <laughs> okay, yeah, they this nice moment it's like okay nice time's over you're gonna fucking shoot him in the head <laughs> yeah really there you go but yeah that was a good one i uh, i actually quite enjoyed the kevin smith one and it's funny they yeah they, they trick you because they don't tell you he wrote it right away like you read the whole story and you're like well that was sweet and nice and then you're like who wrote that oh kevin smith really I kind of got like an inkling because uh, Batman was fighting Omanomapia. Omanomapia, his Green Arrow yeah. villain. Yep, there. Yeah, you I'm go. like, oh, there's only one person who could use this character, or <laughs> who I'm, remembers this character. I'm a big Green Arrow fan, and that went right over my head. And then when I read his name, I'm like, ah, oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was a sweet story of Batman trying to buy back the gun that killed his parents, which. Alfred says, you know, isn't that a little fucked up and macabre that you want to keep that around in your trophy room? No, 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 I'm not going to do that. Yeah, he, like, melts it down and makes it into the armor that's on the bat symbol, which is really cool. It is. You know, the the weapon that harmed me as a child will literally protect my heart as an adult. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's that's a nice metaphor. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Scott Snyder's story was really cool as well. Yeah, a nice little detective yarn. It's funny. It's all about Batman joining this super secret detective club. Yeah. And they show him a big room full of unsolved mysteries. And I'm like, ooh, is that going to be the framing device for this story? He's going to take a mystery off the wall, read it, and that's going to be the thing? No. Yeah, it seemed like they were doing that, but it also seemed like maybe maybe this has got, like, like setting stuff up for, like, whatever he will do in, like, the... Next couple of lines, like I like I could see this being like, oh, this is like a reference to those stories that were in metal, like how he had like right. all the Batman stories on that shelf. Yeah, yeah, and like the books that went missing and everything. Yeah, I could see that. That'd be fun. Yeah. I'd be all for that. Uh Warren Ellis had a pretty good one too. His his story mm. was probably the most straightforward. His story was like, What if Batman was the most badass motherfucker ever? What about that? <laughs> And I'd be like, yeah. and, and he was, <laughs> and he was, I'd be like, all right, Warren, do, do tell, all right, so there's all these coked up mercenaries, right, with exoskeletons and like all this super awesome, you know, weapons tech and everything, but Batman just comes down and just beats the shit out of all of them, like, was, was this a Midnighter story, Warren? Yes. Did you just change <laughs> yes. Midnighter back to Batman? Yeah. That's fun. But it works. <laughs> it works, and it's very fun. Yeah, Denny O'Neill's was weird. It was short. It was mostly focused on uh, Leslie Tompkins, which I'm glad that, you know, she got a story here. But at the same time, it's like, man, that's Denny friggin' O'Neill, and you only gave him four pages? Yeah, that's so strange. Like, a guy who's who's written, bat, like, some really great Batman a stories. Living legend. The, like, 
like like decades long career mm-hmm. and yeah yeah just four pages four bit which again you know as much uh, the, the, we talked about this with action too where it's like you know there's some weird there's some weird omissions here as far as writers go frank miller didn't get a story grant morrison didn't get a story Loeb didn't get a story, but we know why Loeb can't come back. He burnt that bridge a long time ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Morrison and Miller were like the strangest ones. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> maybe they pitched it to Miller, but he like just didn't write it in time. Like, because we know he how good he's at like meeting deadlines and stuff. He did a cover for the issues though. Oh, did he? Did he do a variant? Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I didn't buy it though because it looked awful. <laughs> because of course it does. But it's like, hey, he's. He's Frank Miller, love him or hate him, his fingerprints on Batman are undeniable, so he's got to get at least one. Same with, as much as I hate what a horrible human being he has become in real life, uh, Chuck Dixon also, too. It's like, um, he did a lot for Batman, though. I, I don't like the man, and I don't want to give him money, but, like, yeah, maybe he should have had something in here. I don't know. Yeah, it, it it was a strange assortment of artists and uh, artists and writers, and uh, Bendis got a story which was actually really cool. He did, yeah. Bendis' story was pretty damn all right, which again tells us, yeah, maybe he should have been writing Batman instead of Superman. Yeah, I, I loved his story about like Penguin figuring out who Batman is, and none of the other villains kind of really believing it because they're like, oh, well, we've met batman and bruce wayne at the same time so it can't be real or anything and then he he goes his whole life without realizing he could, he could stop batman but if he stopped and killed bruce wayne or batman he'd kill bruce wayne leaving only batman which is deadly for him <laughs> that uh, that feels like a pitch that he's had for a while that feels like hey if you want to see more of this story in this universe i could totally make this an else world look i even changed the color of batman's bat symbol so you know it's an else world's <laughs> yeah i i'd love to see that that'd be actually really cool batman end of days like his uh, daredevil end of days yeah again which that's basically what it felt like to me i'm like oh okay he's doing like, yeah this is, this is this is the daredevil sequel he never got to write <laughs> yeah 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 that's pretty much what it was that one was pretty good uh uh what is it jeff johns had a funny one they teamed him up with uh kelly kelly what's uh what's their last name uh i can't or something but yeah the 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 art that everyone i'm sure thought sucked but that's just like you know silver age batman that's what it looked like yeah yeah that's yeah basically what it was that's i i was i was kind of taken aback by that because i like saw it i'm like whoa this is strange i'm like good god john john's is writing this story this is going to be interesting which again you're like you know what a weird pairing that they put those two together like ah you know it was probably more likely john's was like no i want to work with this guy yeah, yeah, I just want to work with him. Yeah, I, I might never get a chance to have something drawn by this dude ever again. And it's funny because it's them, uh, what is it, investigating a murder at a birthday party. I'm like, oh, oh, is Jeff Johns going to make the birthday boy from Batman Earth 1 canon? Oh my god, is he going to make this canon? He didn't, but it felt like he was going to. Maybe that's that was the whole deal, like he wanted you to feel like he was going to do that. And then and then psyche out at the end is that's ah, Joker's son, Joker ah, two. Ah, the April Fool got you. Ah, oh, Johns, you, 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 funny boy, you, you got me. <laughs> and then we get the Arkham Knight there, who really his entire part there at the end is just him reading his manifesto on Batman. Yeah, basically telling Batman's cancer to Gotham. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gotham needs a new, new type of hero, and he's gonna be that hero. Who, who, who vigilants the vigilante? I'll do it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I am the Arkham Knight. I, I hate you, Batman, but I wear a costume that looks a lot like yours. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't think about it, says the Arkham Knight. Yeah. I, I I do appreciate that like that's more of a story than he had in like the Rocksteady games. Mm, like it, it it's admittedly a better story. <laughs> I, I want to know why, in particular, he took the name Arkham Knight because you know he says that you know what really what really burns his ass about Batman is how he beats up the mentally ill and everyone's just kind of okay with that. <laughs> yeah, well, we we get kind of like a hint that like maybe he was in Arkham when because yeah. it's kind of framed around like he's seen Batman like fight these villains before, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I we see like an eye at the beginning which I assume is like the arkham knight's eye like watching uh, through like a broken cell or something he's amadeus arkham we haven't seen him in a bed or whatever arkham is in charge of arkham yeah it, it could be it could be i mean they made one of the arkham's black mask for a little bit so why not make him the arkham knight yeah give him something interesting to do yeah give him a connection to the arkham family i always i always liked that i can't remember what uh, what else world story they did but it's where Martha Wayne wasn't Martha Wayne anymore when she married uh, Thomas Wayne. She was actually Martha Arkham. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I'm like, ooh, that is fun to be like, oh, and that's that's why Batman is predisposed to being crazy because he's got a little of the crazy in him from the actual nuthouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also makes it a little bit more fucked up that he locks up all these horrible villains in what is essentially his family's asylum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I can't remember what else worlds that was from, but I'm like, oh, that's a really clever idea, actually. Yeah. And then to tie into where it's like, well, who were the Arkham's in the greater history of Gotham City? What was their deal, and why is their hospital a hell on earth? Was it always like that? Mm-hmm. Or did Batman make it that way? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? Marguerite Bennett for like her first annual did a story where she basically uh, tried to say, uh, yeah, Batman does make this hospital 100% worse because if you're just like a regular person who goes there with like depression or dementia, you're not going to get any help because all the doctors are way too busy dealing with the celebrity patients who, you know, hold the same yeah. ransom with gas bombs and everything. Yeah, that, that, that's like a really interesting story and I'd read it what something like Heroes and Crashes should have been about. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, like, like what happens to like yeah, just like the actual crazy people uh, who, who just like you know ran naked through that that yeah. shopping center yeah. get sent there. Like, what happens to them? Oh, they just get dumped in a cell and left alone. Yeah, with with literal monsters, by the way, because that's yeah, what yeah. Batman's. And I'm not even talking about the literal monsters like Killer Croc. I'm talking about the figurative monsters like the Joker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that that would be like a really interesting book. Yeah. It's like, you wonder why no one ever gets better in Gotham City. Yeah, yeah. Well, they kind of did that uh, with that Dan Slott story, uh, Hell on Earth. Uh, Warren White, uh, the great white shark, he was just like a white-collar tax cheat criminal. But then he goes to Arkham and he gets spat back out as a supervillain. It literally made him worse. (laughs) The place does not help anyone. No. But yeah. That was Detective Comics number 1000. It was pretty good, but if you twisted my arm, I would actually probably say Action Comics was better, or at least more precise yeah. and concise. Yeah, yeah, better better uh, accompaniment of stories, and, like, uh, the writers they chose were a bit more yeah. uh, in line with it, whereas this one had, like, kind of, like, why is this person getting on this over this person? Yeah, this, this one almost felt where it's like, what... 
how long did it take you to staff this one, guys? It feels like you might yeah. have, this was a bit of a rush job. Mm, yeah. Where it's like, well, we can't get Morrison because we don't we don't want to distract him while he's writing Superman year one, and we can't get Morrison because he's writing Green Lantern, and we don't want to distract him. <laughs> and we can't get Quietly, and we can't get Neil Adams, and we can't get any of these other people because we're fighting with them. Yeah. And no, we won't go crawling to Loeb, and we don't need the blowback of Dixon. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that one. What uh, what else did you have this week, Matt? Oh, uh, well, we had Action Comics issue 1009. Yes, we did. The continuation of Bendis's actually getting pretty good Superman story. I would say it's probably it's... the best thing he's writing. Yeah, it's a story that's actually like makes... concise and consistent and makes sense. Yeah, ain't that nice? Yeah, it's all coming out. It's almost like like this is like playing to his strengths. <laughs> and I I would almost say that like on paper, if you tried to pitch it to me, where it's like, yeah, you know, Superman gets embroiled in like a spy epic, I'd be like, well, Superman's not really a spy character. But Ben just sells it here, where he's like, you know, Clark Kent is kind of a spy because he walks around with this, you know, crazy secret that no one can know every day. So he's actually pretty good at it. Yeah, yeah, he's he's probably one of the best spies ever. Yeah, and he has all these super senses. He doesn't even need gadgets. He is his own gadget. Yeah, and yeah, we we still don't really know much about Leviathan, though we do know it probably has nothing to actually do. It's it's related to Talia Al Ghul's uh, same name organization, yeah. but it might not actually be her. I really appreciate that, that they finally name dropped that. I'm like, thank you, Bendis. You showed that you actually read the roots of Leviathan. And I, I like it's Alfred who voices this, where it's like, well, this isn't really Talia's speed, but you know, these crazy organizations, they, they get new leadership all the time. Even the league of assassins gets new leadership every couple years. Yeah. So, and we, so that kind of rules out Talia a little bit yeah. uh, as to who's doing this. So it could be just like some rogue faction of yeah. Leviathan or something. Yeah. Probably some new villain we've never seen for ah, it's Rogelzar shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was me, Superman. It was me all along, Rogelzar. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh God. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, no, I, <laughs> that'd be I, great. <laughs> I, I hope it's someone cool. I hope it's like, Hey, look, we brought Morgan Edge back. Yeah, I think it might be someone like that, like or Bruno Mannheim or something, mm. or you know something like that. Yes, because um, we're obviously getting like more of the question and everything involved in this, and yeah. he, he's connecting all the dots. I like, I like that, like they that they posit like when uh, Superman goes to visit Sam Lane in the hospital, uh, how uh, the questions like, oh, mate, oh, like all the questions brought me to here. Mm. And I knew the answer would show up, and you showed up, Superman. What if you were behind this? That would be a twist. <laughs> even even Mr. Bones is like, well, whoever attacked all of us at once had to have had amazing power and be able to be in multiple places <laughs> at once. And you're the only person I know who can do that, alien, so no, I won't <laughs> let you help me. I like that I like that DEO Mr. Bones stuff because it shows he also read Steve Orlando's Supergirl stuff. Yeah. Holy shit, is is Bendis finding his place? Is Bendis find his, finding his footing? I, I guess so. Yeah, it's it's almost like it is as if we left the story to unfold that it would it would show itself. Like yeah. you know, instead of jumping to conclusions, like ninety nine percent of my comments do. I know it's it's nuts. You know, it's funny. This this story is so good and so quintessentially Bendis. I truly mm-hmm. feel like this is the story that got him hired. Like this was the one he pitched in the pitch meeting. Yeah. 
Where it's yeah, like, and then w- when he got in, he's like, I want Superman as well. And they're like, do you have anything for Superman? It's like, yeah, you know, guy, yeah, he's kind of Doomsday, but not Doomsday. Maybe he blew up Krypton. It's not there yet, but I promise it'll be as good as the other one. <laughs> yeah, but it really isn't. <laughs> or no, he asked for it after, like, the like the editors were so blown away. Like, wow, Brian, that was an amazing story you pitched with Superman. We cannot wait to get to work on that Superman as a spy epic. That's so great. What else do you have? Uh, something with this alien guy and it's the thing just you know, just, just just hand over those papers just just gonna sign those right now okay we're good do you think do you think maybe they did it because it was so different to action like oh the, it, the action is like all the spy stuff whereas superman is all the cosmic stuff it's like it's it it's so different it'll be great again one's a slow burn mystery story the other one's a big alien punch him up we need a yeah, big yeah. alien punch him up yeah yeah but, but hey, Brian, how are you going to deal with uh, his new son there, uh, Jonathan Kent? Oh, don't worry, I've got so many ideas. <laughs> Which we know all come back because John is a kid again in Justice League. <laughs> oh, is he really? I, I missed that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, hey, Jimenez or Scott Snyder posted a page and Superboy's there, like little kid, Superboy. Interesting. Again, we, we don't know what universe that is because we're looking at many multiple universes. But I, <laughs> I think it, I think it was like the main universe because it was just like mm. Clark, Lois, and John. Or because editorial is such a joke at DC these days, Snyder <laughs> can be like, "No, I want Kid John," and you can't stop me. And they're like, "We, we literally can't stop you." So I, <laughs> I guess just do it then. And if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> but yeah, that. Uh, that was a good one. I'm, I I I am into action. I am I am digging what Bendis is laying down. And I like the golden age ending of it where like Clark has like some Kryptonian device that like changes uh, him into uh, a into a British spiral spy. <laughs> very very golden age. You're absolutely right when he could just pull shit like that out of the ether all the time. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Me too. This is this is the Bendis book where I where where I don't put it to the bottom of the pile every week and I'm like, no, I'll get to this eventually. This is the one where I'm like, no, 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 I legitimately do want to read where this goes. Yeah. And it's only gonna get bigger because there's gonna be tie-ins and Matt Fraction's gonna have one. There's a lot of stuff going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, lots of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh I guess on the opposite end of the spectrum I had Amazing Spider Man number eighteen, the second part of Hunted. Ooh, I haven't read this one. I only just read issue 17. Uh, you didn't miss much in this one. This one was actually a, a, a little uneventful, all things considered. Is this one a tie-in, like one of those .hu ones? No, but it feels like it should have been at some point. Okay, okay. Because literally we spend most of the time with other characters who aren't Spider-Man. Okay. <laughs> Spider-Man, his whole basic thrust here is that he's trying to get some of the other supervillains to join forces with him, right? Like uh, like mm-hmm. the Gibbon and the Armadillo and, like, you know, the really the really lame animal-themed villains. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vulture, he's being a real dick and being like, oh, you can't trust the Spider-Man for all you know he put us in here. <laughs> and all the other villains are like, yeah, that's right. I guess we can't trust you, Spider-Man. Fuck you now. <laughs> and he's like, ugh, I tried. Uh, and then, like, the other end of the story, we see, uh, what is it, Taskmaster finally turns on Black Ant, as we knew he had to, because a Black yeah. Ant is an animal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I joke to him, like, well, technically he's an LMD and has been an LMD for years, so he's not really an animal, he's a robot. Do robot <laughs> animals count? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that made me laugh. Uh, also, too, you re- remember we saw uh, all those hunters show up in Craven costumes at the end of the previous issue? Yeah, yeah. Guess what? They're not costumes. They're actually uh, robots. Oh, really? I, I yeah, I did assume they they were they were the hunters. 
That's what I thought too. Arcade has an amazing scheme on top of a scheme here where it's like, look, you know, all you rich 1%er hunters, you guys love to cheat. You love it easy and everything. Why Why would you go out in the field and risk getting punched? Put on my handy dandy <laughs> new VR goggles and you can take over your own robot rig and send it into the field. Oh, okay. <laughs> in fact, if you give me your credit card information right now, you can customize your own robot with loot boxes and your choice of weapon. You can even put your Twitter handle on it if you want. You can get the a- the arcade bucks. Li- that's literally what he's doing. Arcade has become EA. You and your robot to do the floss, just pay me some money and we'll let you do that. Like, that's literally what he's doing. That's literally <laughs> the joke. And I'm like, man, who who knew Nick Spencer felt so strongly about the current state of gaming that he wrote this whole <laughs> And uh, the other interesting aside is actually Mary Jane, because we actually get to see, well, what the hell does she do with herself while Spider-Man's off saving the world and everything? Yeah. And the answer is she's actually getting a little fucked up. She's losing time. Uh, she's killing small animals, which, you know, it's... it's, it's Jesus. It's, it's, it's a little centipede bug, and I'm like, oh, okay, they're making a reference back to the original, uh, what is it, the original Craven's Last Hunt where she killed a mouse in the house, right? Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, well, why did they trade a mouse for a centipede? And it's like, oh, oh, because the weird blue centipede guy is actually yeah, in the oh. house with her. Oh, is this tied into those visions that Spider-Man had in issue 17? Yes, actually. In fact, Spider-Man's big thing is like, I need to get home, not only just to defeat Kraven and save myself, but also I'm pretty sure Mary Jane is going to die in the next little bit if I don't get out of here. Ooh, interesting. So we got a ticking clock on there, but I have my own interesting theory with the way they framed this and everything. Again, this could be a fake-out because Spencer's really good at these kinds of things, making you think they're going right, only to go left. I think he might be implying that when Mary Jane loses time, when Peter's out of the house being Spider-Man, she unbeknowingly becomes the blue centipede guy. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Because think about it, when we found out that uh, when Peter told Black Cat who he was again... Yeah, she was jealous. The Blue Centipede was jealous and pissed off, even though Mary Jane wasn't. Even though Mary Jane was understanding. And again, the way that the Blue Centipede talked about Peter sounded like a jilted lover. Oh, shit. Oh, God. That's going to be amazing. Not because that's like an awesome twist, but as well, it's got to piss off so many people. Oh, yeah. The guy who made Captain America a member of HYDRA just made Mary (laughs) Jane Spider-Man's newest villain. Oh, that'd be awesome. It would be, but I think he knows that. I think that's why he was overextending his hand. He wants people to think that so he can swerve us on something else. Yeah, ooh, that's interesting. He's like, if I make this really obvious... That it might be her, but then even give her the out where it's like, no, she doesn't know she's doing it. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that'd be really cool. And then it's like, yeah, see, I brought them back together, and now it's going to hurt that much more to find out that her time with Spider-Man has created this crazy alter ego. Yeah, oh, that'd be cool. Because remember, too, the Bandage Man's whole deal is like, oh, I'm going to destroy Peter Parker, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. No, the Bandage Man is, like, going after Peter Parker's enemies and, like, stopping them before they can hurt Peter. Yeah, and, yeah, it has, it has a, like, a f- infatuation with Peter and yeah. Spider-Man, like, where yeah. it doesn't want it to, what doesn't want him to get hurt or anything or, or, like, love anyone else, like, 
black cat or anything. Yeah, which I, I like that. I'm like, oh, this centipede creature is all the darkness in Mary Jane that is assembled after all these years of living with Spider-Man and everything. I'm like, oh, that's clever. And it's a bug, too, where it's like, what's the opposite of a spider? A centipede, I guess. <laughs> do, do centipedes eat spiders or is that the other way around? I am. I'm sure there's probably like some centipede that does. Because because I'm trying to think, is this like an owl bat thing where it's like, well, why did why did Scott Snyder choose the owls to be Batman's new enemies? And then it's like, well, in the wild, owls are actually known for eating bats and taking over their nests and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they can move by day where a bat cannot. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that's my theory. I could be totally wrong, or in a month, everyone's going to say, Jesus Christ, Joel, you were so right. <laughs> hey, we've been, like, more right than wrong on this show. Mm-hmm, it's true, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we, we, we always uh, think we're joking, and then we turn out to be right there. Like, when we said the Dominators <laughs> were going to be the villain in a CW thing, and turns out they were. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so that was that was Spider-Man, everyone. Not a great issue, but an interesting issue in its own weird-ass way. Awesome. The Hunted story alone has been really cool. It has been. I've enjoyed This is probably the most I've enjoyed a Spider-Man event in I don't even know how long. Yeah. Yeah, what uh, what else did you have this week, Matt? Uh, I read Tony Stark Iron Man issue 9? Oh, shit, was that nine, this week? 10. Pretty sure. Did that come up? It was what? in my it was in my pile. What what happened in this one? And I'll tell you if it's the one I missed or the one I read previously. <laughs> uh, so we get more of like controller fighting Wasp and Manticore, but uh, most of the issue is uh, Amanda and what's happening in the virtual world, which has been turned into like nineteen sixties Iron Man. Okay, so uh, including far, a theme song. This. Okay, yes, including I, the theme song. This is an old one. Yes, I read this one. Yeah, this was a really cool issue. It's very fun. It's like completely out of left field, where it's like, okay, this controller stuff is fine, but let's do like a callback to weird '60s Iron Man. Yeah, where he had like roller skates and stuff, and he drank um, and busted commies for no reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Amanda's like obviously uh, being changed into the the original Black Widow. That was um, a real clever pull. I'm like, some people straight up aren't even going to get this reference. Yeah, because uh, she's a commie and this is '60s, mm-hmm. so like, ah, he's got to fight those commies. Yep. Um, all because of uh, Motherboard, who is pretending to be Maria Stark because. The AI has gone mental. Yes, uh, which, and we learn that from Aaron Aaron Stack that uh, it's because of controllers inadvertently damaging her. I like that a lot. Which, that this isn't just another Tony Stark thing that went nuts. This actually had a reason for going nuts. Yeah, and it connects both of those stories together in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and as the comic goes along we she amanda tries to get tony out of the the virtual world but we learn that like tony isn't tony and this is something that dan slot has been building up this whole time. throughout his series where where tony isn't right and we find out that he isn't right because he isn't tony no well like not the original tony star yes when he cloned a new body there's literally like zero of the original tony genes left behind this guy might as well be brand new yeah, and he feels like the original Tony when he's in this virtual mm-hmm. simulation, when he's part of the computer and everything. Yeah. Which is what which is what Motherboard is trying to do, trying to make the original Tony again, which comes across as villains because she wants to keep him inside this virtual world. And also too, as they mentioned here, was the old Tony really that good and really someone worth emulating? A dude who drank and yeah. was a jerk to all the women in his life. Yeah, that's what they're trying to frame in this in this as well, yeah. uh, which I think is really cool. 
Absolutely. Yes, that was an old issue, but we didn't get to talk about it on the show, and it was a good issue. Also, also, when did when did the book start started be co written by Jim Zub? Uh, when did that happen? I think like either this one or the one before it. Yeah, because I like read the like the like title page and I'm like, oh, Jim Zub's writing this. I wonder when that happened. Because I know like isn't mm. Gail Simone coming in as well soon? She will be taking over for the War of Realms. Then it goes back to uh, Zub and Slot. Yeah, some great writers on Iron Man at the moment. Lots of good ideas going on in that book. I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on it because they're like, oh, I don't want to read another Dan Slot thing after Spider-Man. Yeah. You're missing out on a good book. Yeah. He's got a lot of fun ideas going on in that. Uh, I guess we've been putting it off, so I guess we'll finally have to talk about <laughs> it. Uh, Heroes in Crisis number seven. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I know. we got. What do we even talk about? <laughs> like, everything happened, but nothing happened in this. It's... No, nothing happened not nothing happened <laughs> to to their credit i like that it took them seven whole issues before they finally brought in time travel bullshittery yeah which again makes no fucking sense to me with two issues left and they and they solicited a brand new issue which means there was a time when he only had one issue left to solve all of these problems yeah 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 issue nine is well, issue nine i think was meant to be like a special one shot yeah and they're just like oh we'll just call it issue nine yeah so yeah. we see... where do we where do we start <laughs> okay so we see wally in this issue but it's wally after the murders at sanctuary which is of course impossible because wasn't he murdered there along with everyone else maybe not though because he's in a world of flowers and he talks to one of the flowers apologizes for hurting it hits it with speed force energy i guess and in doing so brings the dead poison ivy back to life because that's a power wally has now yeah apparently the speed force can just reincarnate people like bring yeah. people back from the dead so it's a god power now like like this this thing solves so many problems in the dc universe oh, yeah. now um again like with time travel and i guess you could call that part power time travel since he sped up mm. the the thing and like kind of time travelish. he shouldn't have any time travel powers whatsoever no because of flash war that's broken now yeah. the speed force has been dislodged from time and space which makes the next part really ridiculous because booster gold is like yeah you know the the body of the flash we found it was displaced from time by five days maybe maybe wally went back in time and tried to stop all of this assumedly trying to stop himself because again they further heavily implied that it was actually wally who killed everybody mm -hmm. and this is yeah. him trying to fix it which again makes no sense because how is he supposed to be able to time travel because they've said they can't <laughs> Yeah, and again, they reference Skeets, and like Skeets doesn't have time travel now. No, which you uh, wrote thanks that to that story. Yeah, you fucking wrote that story, motherfucker. Yeah, but then I forgot. <laughs> that that's like that's like Tom King's whole like Batman and Heroes in Crisis thing. But then I forgot. <laughs> yeah, but you wrote it. Yeah, but then I forgot that I wrote that. Also, too, it's like okay, so in the last issue, we we found out that it was ax it was absolutely one hundred percent Booster Gold that killed Wally. Well, he killed this Wally who was from a different place in yeah. time. So maybe he didn't, but maybe he will in the future, but he didn't now. But also we were pretty sure Harley did it. We don't know. And it also does not matter at all who killed Wally because we might be able to find him displaced in time, but maybe we won't. We don't know. Yeah, but yeah, and then but still Roy and everyone else is dead. We can't bring them back. Um but yeah, the the, the one thing that frustrated the shit out of me this issue was just like no one talked. No. No one talked to it like this these this whole thing, this whole thing with like Booster and Harley fighting I think could have been solved if they just stopped and talked. Absolutely. Like but no, no, we 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 we'll, we'll, we'll 
we'll be, you know, Batgirl and, and Ted Cord, and we'll just, like, stand back and watch these two try and murder each other. That that blew me away, their lack of caring, where it's like, um, you guys are, like, 90% sure Booster is a murderer, and also you were pretty sure Harley was a murderer before this, and you're just gonna let them have it out with each other? Well, they, well it's not not that Harley might be a murderer. She fucking is. She yeah. is a villain. She, she has <laughs> She's killed a fucking murderer. <laughs> and you're just totally fine with them trying to kill each other right now. And that's, that's, oof, that's not good. You want to talk about people not talking? Here's the part that bugged me. Uh, Flash goes to Batman. It's like, oh, you know, Booster Gold beat me up, but I knew that he's the one who killed Wally. Hey, don't you and Batman hate each other now? Didn't you have a whole story yeah. about how you're not friends anymore? Yeah. Oh, there was a whole tie-in that, like, uh-huh. where, like, you don't bother trusting each other anymore. Yeah. You oh, know? oh, but King didn't write that, though, so he doesn't remember. Uh, but that. I forgot. <laughs> but But it was in your book, Tom. Yeah, but I didn't write that book. also too it's like okay so now you know and now you know you got to find booster gold why aren't you calling in the justice league oh because the story would be over if we did yeah why aren't you calling in all of these heroes to track down booster you have access to the hall of justice which is every hero Uh the dc universe (laughs) just call them in and then we do the same thing again with the four where it's like okay we got to find possibly time displaced wally but let's keep this team small because we don't want to spook wally you're all fucking strangers to wally in (laughs) fact one of you might very well have killed him or might kill him in the future also, too, if you spook him, you know he's the fastest man in the world, right? It's not like you could catch him or anything. And the thing that fucking Booster says where it's like, it's like no one suspects us. They only ex- suspected us all of murder. I'm like, they, well, they they didn't. It's the fact that you're like, you were telling them that you murdered him. Yeah, the fact that not... not uh, <laughs> you're you're a fucking... Only one of you is actually a killer, and that's Harley Quinn. Yeah. Again, but only a couple pages ago, does Booster Gold, I did it, maybe I did do it, I don't know. But maybe I will. It's a thing. <laughs> what a, what, what, this story hurt my head. <laughs> oh god, it's it's so, so shitty. And and this is a story that's meant to be about, like, mental health and mental illness and all that sort of stuff. And, like, there's none of that anymore. Like, the first two issues had it, and then they just, like, completely dropped it. Superman had a speech and it was done. I'll tell you what, Tom King, you know, if the point of this story was to really, you know, give the reader an idea of what it is to be depressed, uh, good job. Because I feel depressed every time when I read this. You really, yeah. you really brought it to life. And... Uh, who's the main character like we have to have a character that like we have to follow and be invested in but there isn't like give us something and like make show us like all the the effects that this story is having because at the moment it's not having any effect except for like on these characters Mm. here like it doesn't it's no no big world ending effect like you said it was going to be remember when the puddlers yeah remember them threatened lois lane to write a story about sanctuary or they were going to leak everyone's true identity to the world what happened with that yeah including superman's identity like yeah no i forgot Remember when they made a big deal that when Steel died, he had, like, Joker laughing teeth in his chest cavity? What happened to that? Yeah, yeah, oh, nothing. Yeah, whatever. And then, you know, the final page is Wally coming face-to-face with Wally, assumedly, coming back in time to try and kill him. But maybe it's Reverse Flash, because that was also the rumor, but maybe they changed that at the last second, too, because they didn't want the internet calling it. 
I feel like that that that's what it was like that panel where he's like facing him. I I feel like that was meant to be like reverse flash, and his dialogue was meant to be you're gonna like I'm sorry you have to watch this Pamela, but I've got to kill the reverse flash. Yeah, which again we don't know that that could still be the last minute twist of being like oh, but it was actually the reverse flash though. Yeah, or it could have been like the opposite, where it's like instead of Wally actually dying in Sanctuary, the reverse flash died, mm. and Wally was the one who killed him. Right. And maybe the story was meant to be about Reverse Flash or something. I don't know. The best thing about this issue is the cover because it's Superman who does not appear in the book yelling enough. <laughs> it's almost like like the artists like no is taking the piss out of the book now. It's like yes, enough, please let it end. <laughs> Either that, or again, as we said, you know, with the Looney Tunes issue of Batman from a couple weeks ago, maybe Tom King's just a giant troll, and maybe he's laughing at us super hard, trying to understand. <laughs> maybe he's just having a great time and counting his money. <laughs> I'd love to see like the sales like figures on this book because they can't be good. I know his Batman goes up and down all the time. Oh, yeah, it does, yeah. Uh, like, here's the thing. Like, his last couple Batmans, Conan sold more. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I know, I said the same thing. I'm like, well, it was a first issue, and they're giving him a really good push, but still, a time and place where Conan the niche barbarian outsells Batman, any Batman at any point in history. Yeah, that should that should say something. Don't worry, we got him for a couple more issues. Oh, God. <laughs> and again, you know, you want to talk about something? I can assure you that by the time Heroes in Crisis is done, they sweep that under the rug and they're like, that didn't happen. Well, the, it's not affecting any other book. Like, no. if it was, like, we'd be saying, like, and pick up this issue of Heroes in Crisis well, to, for this reference and this reference. It, it affected Green Arrow because we killed our For an issue. For an issue. <laughs> and For an issue, but also that book was getting canceled anyway, so it didn't matter that we yeah. killed him. Yeah, and and then like yeah, like it's not uh, like affecting anything. They've got like, like that Batman Flash story, which the, the the thing it's tying into itself forgets it's tying into, and mm-hmm. and there's not an ongoing uh, Titans book right now, so it's fine that Dick is shot in the head. Another Tom King decision, and it's fine that you know Wally is gone and Arsenal is gone because that's not even a book anymore. Yeah, and and the heroes that actually died that weren't like Wally or Roy, uh. like weren't in anything, so like it doesn't matter. It never mattered. None of this. And I'm sure by the end, there'll be some cosmic put it all back. Oh, yeah. Time travel, even though that Mm. won't make sense at all, you know. Some people had the adorable theory. Well, maybe Dr. Manhattan's behind it all. Oh, it's cute. We still think Dr. Manhattan is pulling the strings here. Yeah. (laughs) If he was behind this, you'd be like, this is terrible. This is this is awful. I wouldn't do something like this. No. Also, too. I, I'm I'm bad, but I'm not this bad. Also, too, if, like, Dr. Manhattan was behind it, they wouldn't have pushed back issue 10 of Doomsday Clock, like, another two weeks. Oh, fuck. Yeah. But, you know, we'll, we will be old, old men, Matt, by the time that's done. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be in the retirement home still talking about the comics. Yeah, oh, the book is finally out. I can die. <laughs> yeah, in the year of our Lord, 2020. We finished reading it and then just turned to dust. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel so good, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good. Doomsday Clock is enjoyable, but it's like, what? what is taking you so long? Yeah, I... I as I said on Twitter, like the story behind it when it eventually comes out is mm-hmm. going to be more like 
impactful okay. than the actual actual story. And the question is, who will talk first? I'm going to guess it has to be the artist who's going to talk first, because Jeff Johns, I imagine he's probably a little embarrassed by how all of this is turning out. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, what is holding it back? Like, what could be holding it back? I can only assume a million rewrites is the thing. This, this was going to decide the direction of their universe. Then Jeff John stepped down, so he didn't have the power that he used to, so they didn't want to go ahead with his idea, so they had to take it all back and rewrite it. And then probably the way it was going to end affected other books, too, and they're like, no, we're going with Heroes in Crisis now, so they probably had to change it and change it again. Mm-hmm. And they're probably still changing it now because they still don't know what direction they're going into because there's talk of another relaunch of, like, 22 books, and DC has a new president now, and, like, a lot is riding on this book. Yeah. Well, we got all that, like that Scott Snyder stuff that he's doing now. Then we've got like Doom War and yeah. like Year of the Villains, all this yeah. sort of stuff that like takes us up to that point where Doomsday Clock meant, is meant to take place. So, heck, yeah. Heck, Aquaman rewrote the creation myth of Earth. Yeah, the yeah. Kelly Sue DeConnick <laughs> books, like oh yeah, all life came on Earth came from the water. Yeah. Well, where does that tie in with Perpetua and, and Doctor Manhattan and all this other stuff? I don't know. No, figure it out. Figure it came from the fucking water. What do you want from me? <laughs> Aquaman's wearing a Henley shirt that looks like his costume. Isn't that great? It, it is actually pretty great. I, I do absolutely love casual Aquaman, by the way. It, it looks like he's doing like a very, like very DIY cosplay of his own costume. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah so that was Heroes in Crisis. Superman said it best. Oh, no. Yeah, two more issues and that's it. I I cannot see them delivering like both a satisfying ending or at least or an ending in two issues. There's oh, way too much they need to cover. Yeah. Oh oh god, no, of course not. Yeah. Don't worry, Matt. Next year. Don't worry, it's getting ready for the sequel, Heroes in Crisis 2. Two. Are you sad still cuz you're going to be? <laughs> That's the tagline to it. <laughs> Heroes in Crisis 2, the saddening. <laughs> Heroes in Crisis 2, up your depression meds, kids. Here it comes. <laughs> uh, but there you go. What uh, What else did you have? I had like two more books after this. Yeah, I've got a couple. I had uh, Vader Dark Visions issue 2. Oh, yeah, what's happening in the world of the Star Wars? Uh, uh, well, this isn't a continuation. Did I talk about the first one? I think I think did. I did, didn't Yeah, where he fights big kaiju monster. Yes, 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 you did. Yeah, th- this one's like, um, this one's written by Dennis Hopeless, and it sees like a, an admiral trying to capture a rebel spy, and the rebel spy gets away from him. Uh, and uh, he kind of is like, ah, we'll just lie in the report, say we caught the spy, it's all good. Um, but his uh, his lackey tells him that the Emperor is really happy with it, and he's so happy that he's going to send Darth Vader to come collect the spy. Uh-oh. So, yeah, so the officer is just like panicked as all fuck because he's experienced Darth Vader's wrath before. He's been in a room where Vader like killed everyone except of for course. him. Um, so he's like like panicking and he's like telling them to like turn the ship around. We've got to go after the spy. Uh, they end up doing so. They track the spy to like a, uh, uh, a an asteroid field, and they like send all the fighters out for him. And the the spy in in his U wings just still evading them all and everything. And the spy ends up flying down the throat of a um, uh, big space slug. So the Star Destroyer follows it. Always fun. <laughs> and we get this awesome picture of like the Star Destroyer like ramming itself down the throat of a space slug <laughs> and 
Oh, it's just awesome, and then yeah, the 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 um the ship gets destroyed uh, once the the rebel fleet arrive, uh, and and the uh, the officer is the only one left alive on this destroyed star destroyer as Vader himself arrives to kill him. <laughs> Yikes! That guy's having a very bad day. Yeah, yeah, it's such an awesome book. I just like that each issue is just like an anthology of like people experiencing Vader. <laughs> that's that's fun. You know, you you can't meet Vader. You can only experience him. Yeah, yeah, and it is is really cool as well that like each of the stories is like a different aspect. It's not just all like oh he's evil, he's evil, he's evil. Like in the first one, he became like a legend on yeah. this planet because he defeated their like dark god in this one he's he's he is the dark god coming for <laughs> coming for this officer i can't wait to see what else they do with him that sounds like a fun concept i like that you can play around a lot in the world of star wars yeah uh i of course and i'm sure you had it too avengers no road home yeah this was a really cool issue yeah again what's great about this series is how it so confidently and so, you know, uh, respectably is able to just move around and change the focus and even change who, like, the spotlight characters. This one was all about Spectrum, Monica Rambeau. Yeah, and, like, her unique powers yeah. as well as, like, how the writers use those powers in really creative ways. And how she takes zero shit and how, in a lot of ways, she's pretty goddamn brutal, actually. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I I like the little twist that like Hercules and and Vision didn't die. No, no. And it was all thanks to her. Yeah, it's using hard light construct power. Someone did die though, but it's not who you would expect. And when you find out the truth, you're like, damn, that is that is harsh. That's a, that's a little rough. Yeah, yeah. Nick's killed her own kids. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, well, they were they, they were demon monster kids, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Monica ain't playing. No, Monica is not playing. She doesn't even play when it comes to her own team because it's like, hey, Wanda, love you, but you know you're kind of like a huge, massive, uh, you know, liability. What with your powers uh, being, you know, co-opted and you know the dark goddess seeing through your eyes, I'm benching you now. Yeah, yeah, and obviously Wonder isn't happy about that. No, because um, who would be? Yeah, but it doesn't stop her from like coming in and helping, helping in the fight as uh, as Vision gets to meet Conan. Yes, and Conan doesn't like anyone, which I which I <laughs> like that about him. He's like, ah, oh, you're all you're all devils and fairies and golems and everything. I can't trust you. <laughs> yeah, yes, and he ends up like like almost killing Vision. Yeah, making making a great uh, first uh, first impression on his first brand new team, isn't he? Yeah, and I, I like as well that like when Vision like when they meet after that attack, how like Vision is quoting poetry because like um, Conan is talking kind of poetic. Yeah, he hit him so hard, and Vision's already <laughs> malfunctioning. <laughs> that that's just kind of what he did. But yeah, it's it's a fun book. It's you know it's really cool how they can switch perspectives like that and have it all uh, make a lot of sense. Yeah, the stuff with Hulk as well is really interesting since he seems to be – he's got plan. We don't know what his plan is. Mm. But as well, like, it's not stated outright in this book, but I'm guessing that, like, when he consumed that, that energy, it made it so that he can stay as Hulk, even in the sunlight. Right, because it's the like, power he, of darkness. Yeah, like, he's got, like, like a shield over him that makes it look like he's in the darkness or something. Yeah, and Hulk is basically, you know, a werewolf now anyway, powered by the dark. So I'm like, oh, that's a clever way to have him always be Hulk. Yeah, so I'm interested to see what they're going to do on that planet Euphoria and, like, why Hulk wants to go there. Well, I think the idea is that it gives you whatever you want, and I think what Hulk wants is he wants the other shard, so tell me where the other shard is, planet. That, yeah, that, that's actually a good 
good theory. Yeah, and I, I'm wondering if like maybe that's where uh, Nix is going to head to because she sees like a mansion, that little house, or something. Yeah. Oh, that's almost yeah. certainly where it's all headed. Yeah, so that that's, that'll be interesting. It will be. I like to. This series is almost over too. It's seven of ten. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's chugging along at a nice pace. Yeah, I, again, I think this one is way better paced than uh, what is it? No surrender actually was. Yeah. Well, it also helps as well that they don't have as many characters as that one. No, they kept it nice and small. Yeah, which is really great. Absolutely. Really great. Also, hey, speaking of books that Jim Zubba wrote, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. He actually launched a brand new indie series this week on Comicsology. It was like a stealth release. Ooh, what was it? Uh, he sent me a copy. It's called Stone Star. It's like a space Ooh. western tech western. Looks very Ooh, much nice. like a like a cowboy bebop style setup. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, you can get that on Comicsology right now, everyone. It's a mini series to start. Uh, one of five just came out. You can get that for two ninety nine Canadian. I don't know what that is in American. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this uh, looked interesting. I should I should probably look at it either on stream or on one of my other channels because I did get a copy. Yeah, it looks uh, looks fun. Awesome. Yeah, it looks uh, looks like a fun time. I uh, I had one more book, Matt. How about you? I think I had one more. What was your one? Uh, Shazam. Uh, I haven't read this one yet. I, I'm like an issue behind. Well, again, you didn't miss a ton with the movie coming out and everything. This one, this one is basically giving us a primer of what all the kids are up to when they get sent to all the other lands. Okay. And how kind of messed up they all are. We see the wild lands where we, of course, meet Mr. Tawny, the tiger that was friends to Captain Marvel mm-hmm. back in the day. Yep. And their whole society is like the movie Zootopia, like literally Zootopia. Yeah. Where they all live in a city and like predators and prey are like, should should we be living together? Should we still be eating and running away from each other? I just I just don't know. <laughs> and so the kids get sent there, and it's all like Planet of the Apes. And then you got like the game lands where it's like it's a whole, a whole place that runs on video game logic, and you're only as important as the points you have. Yeah, yeah. And you literally can't leave unless you have enough points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's rough, man. Fuck, fuck does EA own this place? <laughs> gotta pay to play is what you gotta do and uh, we also learned the, the the dark secret of what happened to the adults in the Funlands. oh what happens uh well again so apparently Funlands is really fucked up and that is that if you know if you're a lost or abused kid king kid summons you there to have as much fun as your heart could desire yeah but then the second you turn 18 he throws you into the basement and you have to work in what is essentially a sweatshop making the whole theme park work <laughs> <laughs> cool until you die <laughs> and even captain marvel or sorry and even shazam is like you motherfucker they were kids once you jerk you're the only <laughs> one who doesn't age and he's like i don't care i just hate adults <laughs> and i'm like i love that that billy realizes what a broken fucked up system this guy has built everyone was a kid <laughs> once you jerk <laughs> not on my watch <laughs> but yeah shazam is great and oh black adam shows up at the end too Oh, I was about time he showed up. I was wondering when he was going to get around to it. He gets to the Rock of Eternity. He sees that all the portals to all the other lands are open, and he has the best line of, like, fucking Billy Bats, and this is all your fault, isn't it? <laughs> it did. It's true. Yeah. It's true. You you broke everything, you little jerk. And I love this idea where it's like, ha-ha, Black Adam's the only one who can save his friends. <laughs> 
he's going to be the one. And I'm like, oh, I kind of like that too. Black Adam showing up more as he was in the old comics before the new 52, where he's like, I'm a good guy and a bad guy. I'm kind of an anti-hero, <laughs> but you know, I'm not a dick all the time. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, square that circle from the Black Adam who was totally evil in the beginning of the new 52 Shazam to the Black Adam most people like, where it's like, I'm complicated, I'm closer to Doctor Doom. Yeah, oh, yeah. I wonder if they're going to, like, kind of make him, because, again, John's writing it, yes. uh, make him in line with, like, how he is in Doomsday Clock. Oh, probably. Yeah, that definitely seems to be where they're going with this. He sees a problem and goes, well, I guess I gotta fix it then. <laughs> yeah, awesome, awesome. I like that, I like that a lot, too. And I'm like, ooh, we're actually gonna get to see uh, Black Adam and Shazam fighting on the same side against something, probably. Nice. Yeah, so that was Shazam. It was good, I liked it. Cool. Uh, the last book I had was The Flash, issue 67. Oh, yes, yes, yes. What's happening in this book? Yeah, so Trickster, uh, after last issue, we got, like, his origin. Uh, this issue, he enacts his big plan, and uh, it happens when Flash is out of the city. Yeah, Flash is over in Opal City dealing with uh, the cult of the Black Lanterns, mm -hmm. uh, the Black Hand, um, uh, stopping them from bringing back Necron. Interesting. Um, Ooh, because that and, was a great Flash story built around Necron that was basically one more day but done right. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's interesting because, like, the uh, – uh, the priest that's trying to sacrifice the the kid to bring him back uh, notes that the universe is broken and everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, Flash does that, and Flash takes him to Iron Heights, and he goes to Iron Heights, and he real and everyone's like really happy and like cheerful and happy that he's there and everything, and he's like like kind of what the fuck's going on? Even Warden Wolf is like really happy to see him and everything. Oh, that um, right. And then later on, he goes to work. Uh, and he finds that the evidence locker is completely empty. And he asks, like, Kristen, like, what's going on? It's like, oh, there's no crime in the city anymore. Not even a speeding ticket. Like, nothing is going wrong. Um, and he wonders what's going on. And he meets Kristen's new boyfriend, who is James Jesse. Oh. Uh, and Flash doesn't recognize him, like, know who he is. Right. Um, uh, and Flash knows something's wrong. And he's got to find Commander Cold. So he goes and looks for him, but he can't find him. And that's where he starts getting detective skills because Commander Cold was taken by the trickster. Right, um, right, so he right. starts like piecing things together that something's not going right. And uh, he goes and meets Detective Burns. And uh, he she basically says to him, you have to be happy. Otherwise, he won't be happy. Oh, so and, we're doing um, like a Twilight Zone episode or he'll put you in the cornfield. Yeah, yeah. And we basically learned that the trickster has the whole town, the whole city uh, under his hostage. And he's he's done something to the people. Whereas, like, because Burns, like, spoke out about him, she, has, she like, headbutts a desk multiple times and, like, <laughs> all this sort of like something's going wrong with all of the people and they all need to be happy uh and they all go against barry because barry knows something's wrong think only happy thoughts think only yeah. happy thoughts i'm really intrigued to see because it's it's not really all explained what, what like how he did all of this so i imagine like next issue is going to explain it all but that's that's pretty cool that's I, pretty cool i that is a very interesting uh re-envisioning of the trickster to make him more than just a joker knockoff yeah, it actually makes him like a threat. Yeah, very much so. That sounds fun. That sounds. I gotta. I, I I gotta sit down one day and read me some Flash. What with that Flash Year One starting up, that actually looks really good. Yeah. Oh god, it's the book everyone sleeps on. It really is the most slept on book. If we were to do an award show, the 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 multis, the comic multiverse awards, that would be <laughs> the one most slept on book. Flash, all these years going. <laughs> 
Uh, well, that sounds good. Is that everything then, Matt? Is that everything we have to talk about? That is everything. Alrighty then. Well, thank you everyone so much for watching and listening. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, as always, uh, you can check this out on Wednesday mornings on the Cape Joel channel. Uh, but if mm-hmm. you're a patron, you'll actually get the show first before anyone else. Uh, and you can become a patron yeah. for as little as a dollar a month. We try and get this show up right away. Then there's, of course, the audio uh, versions over on SoundCloud and iTunes. I try and put those up on Thursday when I can remember. <laughs> Sometimes I don't remember. I'm only human. But, uh, yeah, do we have anything else, Matt? Any other new projects? Any things you want to talk about? Uh, no, no, not at this moment, no. Keep an eye out for my Shazam review, which will probably yeah. be up around the time this video goes up. Yeah, you'll get to see that first, lucky, lucky. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess, too, uh, I, I guess I can talk about this. This is new. This just got announced. If you are going to be in the Vancouver area, July 6th to the 8th, I have just been announced as a guest for the inaugural Geektopia Con out there. Nice. Yeah, it's their first year. It's half uh, half Comic-Con, half charity. Uh, what is it? Uh, stomp out bullying and everything. So I thought that was a good cause. Uh, I'm probably going to have a panel of some kind. I don't know what that should be yet. In fact, hey, that's good homework for everyone who watched to the end of the episode. What what type of panel would you like to see me do? What would you like to hear <laughs> me talk about? Because I can't think of anything at the moment. <laughs> I, uh, I I blew my wad too early in the last one I did when I talked about Canadian identity in comics or comics in a digital age. I can't just keep doing those two over and over <laughs> again. What what else am I good at, everyone? <laughs> also, do I need a slideshow? I don't know if I can do a slideshow. Do I need one? <laughs> Maybe. Tell me. Tell me if Charles Joel if he could should do a slideshow down on his web zone and he'll send you a pizza roll. <laughs> <laughs> All right then everyone, we can bring the show to an end there. So thank you for watching the comic multiverse. I have been Joel. I'm Matt. And we will see you all again next time. Bye-bye. Bye.